You're listening to the Sojourn Montrose Sermon Podcast. To get connected at Sojourn Montrose, visit our website, sojournmontrose.org. What God is doing, what he has done, and what he will do can be seen as a beautiful work of art. That's literally the words that Paul uses here when he says, for we are his workmanship. This word workmanship comes from the Greek word that that is literally meaning wonderful masterpiece or handiwork. The Greek word is poema, where we get the word poem from. What Paul is saying is that we are God's work of masterful creativity. Now, I'm sure what you're thinking when you think workmanship or creativity, maybe that third grade Play-Doh piece of pottery that's barely held together and oddly shaped, I'm not talking about that type of workmanship. I'm talking about a workmanship that is awe, that is breathtaking. When you look at it, it's almost something that you would see in a museum, or if you were to visit the Grand Canyon, it would cause you to be in awe of the creator, in awe of the creation, in awe of this artist who has created this beautiful work. That's what we are. We are only that, though, what this text is saying, and what I'll hopefully bring out, we are only this because of Christ Jesus. Paul says that God really literally has infused holy purposes behind the work of his hands. And this is not by chance or by accident. He has done this before the foundations of the world. And that should fill us, for those who have believed in this room, that should fill us with hope as well as cause us to feel privileged to be a part of God's handiwork. When I think about this God and I think about this text, there are a few things that this reminds me of and informs me, and I hope that it reminds you as well. There's some things that we've already communicated, right, from the start of this series. One of the main things is that we are sinfully wicked, far beyond our capability to save ourselves. It's the reality when you see a good God who has created us, who has created a way that we be in right standing with God. Because before this, what Cole beautifully stated is that we were dead. Before belief in Christ, for those of you that are in the room that have believed in Jesus, before you believed, you were dead. For those of you that are in the room that haven't believed, I've got bad news for you. You are dead, lifeless unable to pick yourself up by your bootstraps in order to obtain what you need to be in right standing with God. And this truth is something that no one can escape from, right? We all, no matter where we land on the spectrum of morality, must be faced with the truth that because of our sin, we were indeed or are dead. What this shows us is that we can be confident that we are sinners. In Genesis 3, right, where it all started, we see Adam and Eve, they rebelled against God. 
I love how Marshall uh, defined this rebellion or this sin. They trusted in something other than God, or they moved in the opposite direction of faith in God, and it marked all of creation and humanity. And as a result or an effect, it led to us being completely broken, born into sin, and all of creation feeling the weight of this reality. Now, as a result, our hearts live with the compass moving away from its creator and closer to self-glorification, closer to self-preservation, closer to self-service. We live to be our own gods and for our own pleasure and away from the glory of God. We look to please ourselves. Not only did Adam fail to do the works that were intended for him, if we would use this verse this, this word usage. But we also actively participate in the rebellion against God. And we need, if you haven't felt it already, a Messiah who would perfectly fulfill the good works that God has prepared. And the part to amen is that person is Jesus. Jesus, who is the perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12 says this, It's really good. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Something for us to rejoice in and to amen. So Jesus, who was completely fulfilled and did what Adam failed to do as a result of faith that is gifted to us by God. It is the work of Christ because of Jesus that is accredited to us not the work of our hands. There's this theological word called imputed righteousness, right? And what that simply means is that we have an alien righteousness, or or to make it a little more plain, what that means is the righteousness of Christ Jesus is now our righteousness now that we believe. It is not something that we muster up in ourselves to be righteous. We are righteous because Christ was. And it's now this work that has caused us who were once dead to now be alive. Paul kind of describes this a little bit more in verses 11 through 12, where he says, Therefore, remember, remember the reality of what you once were. Remember that you were once Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision which is made in the hands of flesh or in the flesh by hands. Verse 12, remember that you were separated from Christ. You and I were alienated, or if you haven't believed, you are alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But there's a beautiful interjection here. It's kind of similar to the interjection that Cole had described last Sunday, right? The most hopeful two words in the Bible, but God. The similar two words here is, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. We are new creations 
who instead now, now that we believed, instead of now being created in Adam or created in sin, we are now through belief in Christ, faith in Jesus that has been gifted by God, are created in Christ. That changes the whole dynamic of the way that we live. This brings new meaning to us. Because now, as a result, we are God's workmanship, his poema. We are God's beautiful masterpiece because of what Christ has done and Christ has done only. It is Christ alone through faith alone. So before receiving this identity, there's an obvious reality is that we weren't God's workmanship. We may have been, you know, formed in a sense, but what we were formed and molded by and shaped by is our sin. But God, who is rich in mercy, lavished his love on us and made us alive together with Christ. But God has provided a way for us to be made right with the Lord. And this is the, the saving truth that we can hold on to. Ephesians 2 reminds us that our salvation is something that we can be confident in. If you can be confident that you are sinners, because of Jesus, you can also be confident that you are saved if you have believed. And that is universal for all who believe. I don't care where your faith may be today, whether it's here or whether it's there, you can be assured and confident that you are saved. Because it's God who made this possible, not us. We who believe have been gifted faith. So there's two realities that hopefully I've made plain, and that's that we can be confident that we are far more sinful than we thought. But the hope is, if we believe, we can be confident that we are far more, more capable of being saved by the hands of God than by the broken works of our hands. Which leads us to see something as well that we can be confident in. And that is we can be confident that we are sent to walk in the good works that God has prepared that we should walk in. So God has not only prepared or God has not only saved us in a sense, but he has also called us and sent us out to glorify and to make his name known. So what are these good works that God has prepared for us in verse 10? If it's true that God has done such a life-altering thing in our lives, then the reality should bring new meaning to our daily lives. This reality should bring new meaning also to the mundane daily task of our day-to-day -day lives. This reality should bring new meaning to our vocation. This reality should bring new meaning to how we engage with others. This reality should bring new meaning to everything that we do in life. Because these things reveal God's masterful creativity. And God believes that it is glorious. So I want to argue today, or make the argument, that these good works can sum themselves up in two ways. Because I think it's easy for us to begin to unpack all of the different good works that we could live out. But I think it's simple. And it can simply be stated through love of God and neighbor. As we love God and we abide in Christ, we bear much fruit through the empowerment of the Spirit. Ephesians 4, 20 through 24 kind of shares this. 
And if you want the practicals, if you want the details, if you're that type of person, you can look beyond that verse. But also in chapter 5, we see this reality, too, of abiding and, and imaging Jesus. So Paul, again, shows us that our good works can be summed up these two ways. Verse 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Then after that, he also goes into the practicals of the details of what that looks like. And then we can look to chapter 6 and see the same thing. And what I'm really just saying to you today is that this changes the way that we view our lives. For you who are married, it changes the way that you view your marriage. For you who are single, it changes the way that you view singleness. For all of us, whether at home or in the workplace, wherever we are, this new identity completely changes us. If what Christ has done is glorious, then you're marked by it. We are called to live in light of Jesus, and that is a life that is defined by love and empowered by the Spirit. It's the only way possible. It will not happen in our own strength. These good works that God has prepared, he has also supplied or provided what we need to walk in them. And that's the problem for many of us. We see all of these things that we should live in light of and we become overwhelmed or feel as if we can't because we're looking at ourselves and our own strength to do them. But God has supplied and provided all of the things that you need for life and godliness to walk in these good works. I know it's easy for us to pass by this simple truth of trusting Jesus, but that's just what we have to do, trusting God with the next step of these good works that we're called to live out. I think neglecting gospel opportunity is things that, is, that happens too frequently in our lives. Neglecting the times where, where we really feel that the Lord is leading us to engage I feel that that's something that happens as a result of us looking at ourselves or has, happens as a result of us seeing and feeling the weight of our sin. But the glorious truth is that God is trying to bring order to our chaos and giving us what we need to do that. Choosing to do things that ultimately make us uncomfortable. We would rather choose to do the things that make us comfortable, choose the easy things that don't require sacrifice, Choose the things that look and point toward back to ourselves. But what God is calling us to is to trust him and to live a life that images who he is. So what I want to say is that good works require that we be selfless as Jesus was selfless. That we trust Jesus with our lives to be full of the spirit so that the world may know who he is. To look to God for life and godliness to look to God for more than just the sacred moments, but the, the mundane daily task. I mean, I'm, I'm sure as we think about this and we see the disparity or the gap between our works and the works that we're to walk in, it can be convicting. But I hope this comes as grace and truth to you. I hope this comes as a reality that you see that I'm also work walking in brokenly attempting to live this out brokenly, not consistently, but I'm asking and praying that we seek these things out daily. I think for me, I tend to think more when I think of good works, of the grandiose things, 
of the things that are like special. Like for me, good works would be me evangelizing to 100 people that have never heard of Jesus. But that's not what God is quite getting at here. Yeah, that's great. But I believe that there's more to that that looks more mundane and ordinary that we may not think is special. But God sees as beautiful and glorious. Like for some of us, reaching out to neighbor and building relationships with people that don't look like us, act like us, think like us, is the most glorious thing that we could do. But because of the awkwardness or the fear that we have of pressing into those relationships, we keep ourselves from living out and walking in the good works that God has prepared. But I believe that is exactly what the Lord is calling us to. Like for me personally, what I feel convicted by as I think about these good works, being a church planning resident who just had twins, there is a lot that is happening at the house that God desires glory in. And for me, it seems too ordinary or mundane, but that is what God is calling me to. He's calling me to be present to my family. He's calling me to love my wife. He's calling me to wash dishes, bringing order to chaos, imaging him even in the regular mundane things. I'm here to give you hope today that there is hope in the, in the ordinary. There are good works that you are called to in the ordinary. One of the things and the realities that we saw before moving to Houston was that the Lord provided a lot of gospel opportunity to neighbors that were right next door that we saw every day. And instead of walking in those good works that God desired that we would walk in, we neglected a lot of those. And it was just out of fear, out of awkwardness, like this is where I live. But I really believe that good works are not something that you start once you've have this special mission or this new mission, because for us, we were tempted that now we're in Houston, we're going to be missional. This is why we're moving here, right? So now the mission starts. No, the mission starts the day that we are to live out good works begin the day that we believe. And therefore, you and me and for everybody in between, we are called to these good works. When we look at the good works that God has prepared in the scope of big events, in the scope of huge, grandiose things, we limit ourselves. And we make small the glory of God. And I'm praying that we trust God with the mundane, ordinary things. Like, you may do a great job at living out and being patient and kind and gracious and loving, but may do a horrible job at reaching out to your neighbor, may do a horrible job at loving your wife, may do a horrible job at engaging with others. And I believe that that's what we're called to trust Jesus with simply. And it's not going to always be smooth, right? In fact, the reality is that these works that he's prepared for us can be often uncomfortable and awkward. But will we simply trust Jesus with these awkward moments that he'll give us what we need for the next? That we just take it a step at a time and stop trying to go ahead and save friends that aren't saved, but begin conversation. You can't save them unless you speak. 
And for many of us, we are forgetting to speak. We're just hoping that they get saved. And the Lord is desiring to use you through those relationships to do that. And it gets no better than living this life out of walking in the good works that God has prepared and established for our lives. It's a worthy call that God has called us to. The good news today for the believer and the unbeliever, because I believe that God has called some of those today that haven't believed to himself, and he has good works that are prepared for you. That is good news, that there are things that he desires to work in and through you today. The good news is that we can ask God to give us the faith that we lack. That is a prayer that he desires to answer. But sometimes I think that we're unwilling to pray. The good news is that Christ saves sinners. Christ is sufficient. Christ lived a life that we couldn't live. Christ died a death that we all deserve. Christ now has done a work that we couldn't do because we were created in sin, created through Adam, unable to, to do things to be embraced by God. But God in his goodness has sent Jesus. My hope today is that you will join God in his work today. Whether you believe or you don't believe, my hope is that you will trust Jesus to save you if you don't believe. And if you believe that you'll trust Jesus to continue to save and to forgive. Because honestly, this walk of repentance, we don't just repent at the point of conversion and leave repentance there. But we are marked by repentance until we meet our Savior. Like that is the mark of a believer to repent and to constantly turn to God, will we be marked by that today? Will we be marked by what Christ has done? Because in us, our works are dead, but in Christ, they are good and alive. I don't believe today that you can glorify God apart from so I pray that we seek him with all of our hearts, with all of our brokenness, that we come to him, and that we trust that he will allow us to walk out the good works that he's prepared for us. Let's pray. Father, you are good. And I started off today saying that you're good. But you are so good, Lord, that you have presented Jesus to a lost and dying world so that not only we be saved, but we be transformed. Father, you are desiring that we image you, and you have provided what we need to image you. So I pray for those in this room, Father, that may have believed and they lack faith. God, will you give them the faith that they lack? Father, I pray for those today that haven't believed. That they will find hope at the cross. That they will find hope 
that you not only died, but you rose. And as a result, that you have done a work that they cannot do. I pray that they feel the weight of their sin today, their rebellion against God today, them running away in the opposite direction of faith in you. Father, will you make that known to their hearts today so that they turn and run back to you because you desire to embrace those that turn. You desire to embrace those that will come and you gift us the faith that we need to believe. So Father, will you do that work today in the hearts of those today that don't believe? Father, I pray, Lord, that people see that you have created us to be sent. Sent into a world that is broken and full of works that aren't good. And called to live those out to show who you are. Will you give us the strength through the Spirit to see that we can do these things? Even in the mundane, ordinary tasks and and day-to-day things that we live out. Live out that truth. Lord, we thank you for your word. I thank you for your word. Because it is enough. It is all we need, God. It is all we need. So, Father, we thank you for all of these things and this new reality that we have in you. Help us to live out what you've called us to. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.